Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I'm the other guy, Simon Voyanos. And we are finally getting to what the fans have been clamoring for and what everyone wants to know, our 5A preview and contentions. We understand that a week has already passed. We're going to be a little bit more on top of it next year. However, this did... I will say that week one of this season has definitely influenced our preview just a little bit, and we kind of appreciated getting a preview of what the teams kind of look like. I know Simon echoes that sentiment, so I think that you're going to get a much better preview now than you would have if we wait or if we did it before week one. That's what I think. But anyways, we have in 5A, if you didn't... Okay, so... <laughs> As we normally do, we're going to do a recap, but we're going to do it a little bit different this year where we're going to do last year's recap as well as the year before that because I think that that's a more accurate, inclusive bracket because a lot of really good teams were left out of the playoffs last year during the eight-team playoff. So, in last year's eight-team playoff, you had, in the order of seeding, Cherry Creek, Valor Christian number two, Legend number three, Pomona number four, Eagle Crest 5, Fairview 6, Cherokee Trail 7, and Regis Jesuit 8. And in these playoffs, Cherry Creek beat Regis 29-6 in the opening round. Pomona handled Eagle Crest 49-19 in the opening round. Valor Christian handled Cherokee Trail 49-14. And Legend beat Fairview 56-35. In the semifinals, Creek beat Pomona 35-7. And Valor waxed Legend 45-0. And in the championship, Cherry Creek beat Valor Christian 21-0. So, honestly, a really uneventful playoffs last year. Uh, <laughs> Simon, what is your reaction to these playoffs? We obviously were paying a lot more attention when it was happening. But they're really, we didn't. Look, if you didn't watch, I don't think that you really missed out on that much, other than arguably the most dominant team in Colorado history, if you're a Creek fan. Well, I don't think you need to be a Creek fan to say they are the most dominant team in Colorado history, but I, I think they are. You look at who they had there, you know, obviously a lot of those guys did interview with us, so shout out to Chase, Arden Walker, James Walker, all of them boys. You know, they were a big part of the beginning of uh, the playmakers corner so so shout out to them right um but i mean you look at them you look at the guys that we have this year who were on that team last year as underclassmen as juniors and whatever this is a pretty stacked squad i don't think anybody was super shocked when they won it again they should have won it again you know if not probably by maybe uh, 14 more points to be honest with you it probably could have been a 35-0 type of deal if they really wanted to do that but you know, 21-0 against Valor isn't bad either. So really nothing too surprising here. I think most people knew Creek was going to win. They did it. Uh, and there you go. I mean, you had a couple other teams with good players. But at, at this level, you have to be stacked at multiple position groups on offense and defense. You can't just have a good offense. You can't just have a good defense. A, a good line at this point kind of doesn't matter if you don't have any skill players um, and then vice versa on defense. And so uh, Creek, they had it all. They had multiple D1 guys at pretty much every position. I think they had a D1 guy at every position, I think. Uh, yes, that is, that is in fact, a, 
a truth so if not one then two or three so there you go um but yeah that's really all you got for me cody i mean don't get me don't get it twisted plenty of good players you know from regis shout out to them um valor too i guess but there wasn't there wasn't any team that was going to stop creek at least in state you'd have to make a super team like an all-star team to beat creek at that point yeah yeah no they would have had to probably make a super team to to beat creek with players from all the other schools honestly and even then creek might have still won so that's how that one went and just doing a quick synopsis on some of the teams that we aren't going to be talking about in these segments it kind of starts with regis jesuit high school you know they are losing quite a bit of talent on the offensive line as well as their lead back david Doty, who was you know both good out of the backfield catching and running the rock and they also are losing 10 of their 14 sacks from last year i know that they had that one guy who went to csu um I think it was Andrew Kulik. Kulik, yeah. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. And, you know, they're losing seven of their top ten tacklers. And they're they're also losing uh, Clay Nanke or Nank. I'm not really sure exactly how that's said, as well as Matthew Beyer. And that's just – they're losing a lot of defensive talent. And so I think that makes it really hard for Regis to – compete this year and i'm not a hundred percent sold on xander carroll and most of these other teams that we're talking about they have you know an exclamation point at quarterback rather than a question mark uh simon do you have anything to add on to that evaluation of regis just being outside of our uh top teams here yeah they're a team that i feel like was just outside i mean they have that defensive end uh uh, Nudie over there. He's 6'4", 230. He's a three-star committed to Cal. And so, I mean, he's he's a beast. You know, he makes it happen on uh, defense, obviously, and at tight end as well. You know, he's somebody that is pretty athletic for somebody at his size. And so uh, you kind of like that there. They have that running back, uh, Xavier Carroll. He's not bad either. He had a solid game, you know. But honestly, for Regis to have – I don't know, just just looking into the future, to be honest with you, for Regis to make a deep playoff run or to make a playoff run, Xander Carroll has to play better. He needs to he needs to put up a lot of stats. We'll just say that, you know, I think he's a solid little quarterback, but for them to win, he probably have to play more of a background or background backyard football type of deal for them to compete just because their offensive line isn't exactly there the receivers aren't like the best to be honest with you and so that's just where regis lies uh you know they'll they'll learn from this year it's gonna be more of a building year over there they have some players they'll probably you know they'll they'll give a lot of teams trouble don't get it twisted but i don't think they're like you know at when at the end of this season they're going to be like a one of the last four teams standing or anything definitely a playoff team but yeah i don't think they'll be one of the last four so and then continuing on we have pomona here at the four seed who also didn't really make our cut once again it's just the question marks at quarterback uh i know that they they have a new coach there shout out to coach nate johnson he actually coached linebackers when i went to arapaho high school so it's been really nice to 
watch his career kind of take off. And, you know, they'll make some noise this year. They have that three-star offensive lineman, Aaron Caras, or Caras, uh, who's 6'5", 310 pounds, as well as uh, Chase Muller out of the backfield. And he was he had a really good game against Grandview, actually, which is saying something. Grandview has a great defense. I think Pomona's another team that probably makes the playoffs and probably even wins in the first round. Um, but they are losing Jack Pospisil, who was the number one D2 recruit last year. And it's just really hard to replace an athlete like that. Also losing Dom Nichols, who transferred over to Vista Ridge, and Ben Cruz. You're just losing a lot of snaps in the backfield, especially at the most important position, the quarterback position. And, you know, I think that they're going to run the ball super well this year, but they need a lot of people to step up on defense. They lost five of their top 10 tacklers, including their top two, including uh, Juju Howard last year. So they just have a lot of holes to kind of fill, I think. And once again, the biggest question being at quarterback and not having, you know, someone electric to go alongside Chase Muller is probably my biggest concerns for this Pomona team and why they didn't make the cut for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm saying anything that you wouldn't agree with. No, 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 you're, you're absolutely right. And then I'm just going to throw this out there as well. Personally, for me, teams who run like like running offense like Pomona's like column uh Columbines, you know, they have a, a very run heavy like wing T or whatever the heck like kind of running offense they have. Uh to me those teams are out for me. Like I don't really think those are deep playoff teams in my opinion. And you know, you could take that as you will and whatnot, but uh on the five A level you need to learn how to pass and do it right. So if you can't do that, then personally, to me, you're just not a team that I take seriously. And uh, I have no problem saying that on the 5A level. So, yeah. So Pomona's out for me. And that was and, a pretty easy decision outside of, you know, the players they lost as well. So. And what other team did you say is out for you? I think that's a great transition. Who They were a playoff team two years ago. They were. Uh, Columbine, you know. And and they were good last year, too. I should put that sure. out. Sure. Yeah, yeah. They, they weren't bad last year. Uh, look, when was the last time Columbine won a state championship, Cody? Do you know? Because, like, at this point, I know they're, like, a good, like, you know, little regular season team, and they beat up on teams and play really good defense and whatnot. But what I do know is that they don't know how to pass the ball or they can't pass the ball. Um, there are 3A teams, you know, that pass the ball that much better than Columbine with running backs that could do similar things that Columbine does, along with lines that do similar things that Columbine does at this point. So you know, look, they have some athletes, like shout out to Seth Cromwell. I think he's a great back. He's a tough back. He's somebody you you know who you know, he'll, he'll put up his stats and he'll probably get an offer somewhere. I'd be surprised if he didn't. They have uh, that big tackle, Josiah Brown, 6'2", 285. Um, he's a pancake machine and whatnot. They're great. He fits that Columbine system super well. But quarterback Brock uh, Zanto, I, I don't think they're necessarily calling the right plays for him um, because he looked shaky last year. He looked a little shaky in the first game this year. And so for that reason, I'm out. They have a good speedy receiver in Wesley Jones, but if you don't have a quarterback or an offense that could take advantage of that, then there's no use there. And so uh, I'm I'm out, you know. Um, 
They'll beat up on a lot of teams. They'll probably, I wouldn't be surprised if they were one of the last four, but they're not going to stay. Let's keep it real. You know, and if they do, I don't think they're going to win state. So, so I, I feel like, like just a big hater right now, to be honest with you, but learn how to pass the ball. You have to, in this league, at least in my opinion, you have to be able to pass for at least 200 yards a game. If you can't do that or don't know how, or it's like, you know, a miracle from God that you could do that, you know, throw 200 yards a game, then mm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just out. So there you go. Yeah. I think those are all great points. They do bring back a great defense. Seth Cromwell is going to have a great year. Like Simon said, I wouldn't be surprised with a deep playoff run from them. But Brock is a huge question mark for me. Um, And just doesn't show some of the things that some of these other quarterbacks have, I think. So I also agree with that. Columbine take. Eagle Crest is another team that made the playoffs last year who I don't think gets very far this year. They did lose to chaparral on this opening weekend and i just don't think that's a high quality loss because to me chaparral isn't a contender either and yeah the the chaparral offense kind of did whatever they wanted to to the eagle crest defense and that's not a good look for me like checking out this game and which is saying something because i think that their o-line has a lot of potential to just run people over with two three-star guys committed to power five schools but it i guess it doesn't really matter when running is is your thing and you just lose track of these teams that can move the ball a little bit easier um on top of what they lost last year in ty robinson and sayo ladipo as well as jp uh lukitu yeah the running back yeah the running back Mm -hmm. i think that yeah they they lost uh, you know their best offensive players arguably so that hurts and it showed in week one so i don't i don't expect a deep playoff run from eagle crest they're usually known to struggle too once they get into the playoffs and it's hard for them to get past some of these powerhouse teams so pretty regularly that's what I would say. Yeah. Uh, losing Ty Robinson and Seiyo Oladipo. Ooh, that's not... That's a pretty... That's not just like, you know, oh, that's a tough loss. That's a pretty hard loss. I don't know if they've had athletes like a Ty or a Seiyo, um before, but um, those are guys who played both sides of the ball. So, I, I mean, that's fine. You take this year and you learn, uh, grow some players, and uh, come back next year. Yeah, they were both top five at their position from our class of 21 list. So make sure you listen to that, the safeties and the wide receiver ones. So, yeah, that's that's tough to lose two top five players at, at each position from a whole class. And another team that we won't be talking about, the last one from this bracket personally, Cherokee Trail. Just not convinced that their offense can hang in with some of the better offenses in 5a they have a great offensive line shout out to travis gray the cu commit that big offensive tackle as well as uh ryan kawashima who was the all-state honorable mention last year at the offensive line position i think that they're going to be able to run the ball very well as they did against mullen this this past week and but i just i don't see their defense making as many plays they lose mason maddox who simon i think you did his film breakdown yeah, I actually did a 
Mason Maddox, their defensive tackle, and then Blake Wager, uh, their defensive end, both guys who went on to play uh, college football. I did both of their breakdowns, and so losing both of those guys, uh, starters, is a pretty uh, fatal loss at this point. Yeah, which made jobs easier for the likes of defensive back Elijah Graham, who we've interviewed. And, you know, he graduated and is doing his thing at CSU, I believe. And, you know, their quarterback, Jaden, was pretty good last year. He was a nice little quarterback. And, yeah, so they're just losing a lot (laughs) up front, which isn't great on the defensive side of the ball. And then, you know, good skill position players and DBs. Uh, they they'll still probably make the playoffs would be my guess, but I don't really see them being a threat threat. So no, no. So yeah. And then really quickly, gonna sprint through this 2019 bracket because some of these teams are gonna sound familiar here. You have in quadrant one. I'll just go through the quadrants. Cherry Creek had a buy, and Fairview had a buy. So Thunder Ridge beats Lakewood 17 to 6. Cherokee Trail beats Fountain Fort Carson back when they were 5A, 35 to 17. Then Cherry Creek beats Thunder Ridge 31 to 14. And Fairview beats Cherokee Trail 36 to 34. And in the final of this quadrant, Cherry Creek beats Fairview 42 to 28 to make it to the final four. In the second quadrant, you had Regis and Pomona who had buys. Then you had Highlands Ranch beat Doherty 59 to 7 just to lose to Regis 49 to 7. Then on the lower half you have Legend who beat Rocky Mountain 35 to 23 before losing to Pomona 36 to 7. And then in the final of this one, Pomona beats Regis Jesuit 28 to 14 to advance to the final four. Quadrant 3, you had Ralston Valley and Grandview who both had buys. Arapo beats Castleview 17 to 7 in the opening round, then loses to Ralston Valley 42 to 21. On the lower half, Eagle Crest beats Legacy 34 to 21, then beats Grandview in an upset 20, 28 to 21 before losing to Ralston Valley 42 to 14. Then in the bottom right, you have Valor Christian and Columbine who both had buys. Mountain Vista beat Mullen in an upset 24 to 16 before getting trounced by Valor 34 to 9. And Smoky Hill beat Overland 48 to 6. Wow, that's how you know that this bracket was big. Overland made the playoffs. Anyways, then Columbine beat Smoky Hill 43 to 14, and then beat Valor Christian actually 37 to 30 to make it to the final four. Then Cherry Creek beat Pomona 14 to 7 to go to the finals. Columbine beat Ralston Valley 29 to 15 before Cherry Creek took care of business against Columbine in 2019, winning 35 to 10. Speed round. Remember some of these names because we will be talking about them coming up next. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast where we are talking 5A preview and here we have kind of our first tier of, you know, teams that can make a deep playoff run here and maybe make some noise in the playoffs and it's going to start very briefly here with Thunder Ridge who, as I mentioned, made it into round two in the 2019 playoffs, losing to Creek 31-14. They did struggle quite a bit last year. However, I think that they are due for a turnaround following their opening thrashing of Far Northeast, who, you know, isn't the same team as they were in the spring when they won 5A, but, you know, nonetheless, still beating a quote-unquote defending champ. And 
Who are they bringing back? Well, they're bringing back Seth Frazier, who is actually one of the more efficient quarterbacks in all of 5A, completing 60% of his passes last year. And I believe in the opening game, he also completed around 60% of his passes. And he threw for four TDs and 165 yards on Friday, along with their running back, J.D. Rickford, who had a pretty solid game with 72 yards and a score. And he saw some action last year. And their top three receivers all returned, including All-State Honorable Mention Chase Tompkins, who actually plays both ways and makes interceptions on both sides of the ball. So you have a great core here. You have some pretty good size up front with uh, Tyler Schwattel at six foot 240, Jackson Bayen, six foot 240, Brandon Ems, who's a 6'7", 315 pound lineman, uh, Will DiGiancinto, ah, jeez Louise, DiGiancinto, at 6'4", 220, Charlie Bell, 6'2", 240. Like, they're all kind of built the same way, but they do have decent size. And a lot of these guys can kind of go back and forth both ways. And yeah, I think that between the, the size that they have up front and the scoring power that they have, that they're going to give a lot of teams some headaches, especially come playoff time. I say that the biggest thing separating them from these next few teams that we talk about is definitely the defensive side of the ball. They did graduate... Tyson Lambert, who is our number one class of 21 linebacker. Make sure to check out that episode to see what we had to say about the current UNC Bear. And they also lost Jaden Wabena, who was kind of a, a force to be reckoned with in that secondary with an interception and five pass deflections. Um, Simon, I don't think I'm missing anything here other than maybe last year being a fluke kind of year um, and a learning year. Yes. <laughs> so this year, I mean, okay, it won't. I won't say it will be a learning year. Uh, this year again, they'll probably they'll make some noise. I think this will be a really fun team to watch. So if your Friday nights are free, you know, and uh, I don't know, you you don't want to check out any other game. Uh, Thunder Ridge, that'd be a fun spot over at Highlands Ranch to uh, swing by and watch a game. I like Seth Frazier, the quarterback. He seems like a very dynamic player. I took a look at some of his film from this first game. He was doing a lot of good things as a passer and as a runner. Um, so I like him a lot. I like the running back Rickford as well. I just think defensively, they're kind of lacking, you know. And so, uh, like I said, you have to have multiple position groups. Position groups, not just positions, but position groups that are, like, good, you know. Uh, for your team to be a contender on this 5A level. I think for Thunder Ridge, they're going to probably make the playoffs. They could probably upset somebody in the playoffs as well. But I, I don't know how deep they could actually go, um, assuming everyone that we talk about is going to be healthy. So, yeah. Yeah, and you bring up a great point talking about teams that have multiple position groups that are strong. And I think that's a great transition to talk about one of our top contenders here, Legend High School, who despite losing a considerable amount of talent is bringing back a pretty decent amount of talent. And they made some noise against, I'd say, you know, granted it was a 4A team in Ponderosa. It's a pretty solid and consistent program over at Ponderosa. And they kind of did whatever they wanted to. And it starts, I believe, with Bryce Vaz here. Just somebody who can make plays all over the field and he's going to do no matter what team they face Bryce Vaz is going to put up a good game in my opinion I think that 
he's just too dynamic, both catching the ball and running the ball to, you know, not at least score probably a touchdown every single game. I got to be honest with you. So I really like that for this legend team. They thrive off of a very strong running game and then an even better defense. They are returning three of their top five leading tacklers from last year, which, you know, that's kind of, I'd say the biggest difference between this team and a Thunder Ridge is who they're able to bring back on the defensive side of the ball. They also have a solid secondary, even though Jackson Muma left. There are a lot of people who said that, you know, Vaz was more important to that defense as an athlete, and they had some other playmakers that gave Fairview. Fairview, you know, the score at will offense of last year fits and we're able to beat them in the opening round so you know defense wins championships but offense gets you there and they could do that too you know colton warner i kind of like what he what he had going on in that ponderosa game completing a variety of passes this legend offense i think is one of the better called offenses and you could kind of get that feel even just watching some of their players last year. Simon, wouldn't you agree? I know that or didn't you do the Connor Ice or was that me? No, that was that was you. <laughs> that was me. Okay. You no no, you pointed it to me. You said you said you could take the Connor Ice kid. Um and and he was a solid running back. And I also did JT Axelrod, who's another guy who graduated from Legend last year. But like I said, I really don't think it's any time to panic. Just because they they have such athletes on the offensive side of the ball. They have this wide receiver, Jackson Brush, who had a pretty good season last year. And yeah, I, I just really like what Legend has going on. And they're constantly a contender. Yeah, I mean, contender as in they'll make a deep playoff run. Not like they'll win it all, right? Yes, yes, yes. Like they, they're a semifinals or, you know, a quarterfinals team pretty regularly. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, that's why they're not um, they're they're not one of the teams that we're going to talk about here afterwards. They have talent, you know. They have a lot of really fun players, just like Thunder Ridge, I would say, but not as complete as you'd want them to be. At least when we're talking about you know some of these other squads that are um, virtually, you know, they virtually have no weaknesses. So, you know. Yeah, but yeah. definitely a solid enough team. I think Bryce, I would be surprised if uh, we're not talking about Bryce during our top five position breakdowns, personally. Yeah, so. we definitely should. He's an explosive athlete. He's really fun to watch. Uh, he, he Didn't he have like 181 rushing yards, something around there? Something yeah, crazy in that whole wolf there? 87, and sorry. I know that he he broke some records last year, too. Um for like long long runs and stuff like that and uh like average yards per carry so at least for like legend records which right. is pretty good you know especially when you had connor ice in the exact same backfield yeah no absolutely um i mean if they had the some of those players they lost this year it it might be a different story but i mean it is what it is so you know there you go and speaking of a team who you know is going to be spearheaded by a strong defense and also has some dudes on the offensive side of the ball. I'd love to talk about my alma mater as well as our other co-host Mason Austin. And that's Arapahoe High School, who 
you know, kind of is another one of those teams that in a regular year last year would have made the playoffs and might have got a first round win. But they're looking to push it a little bit more than that this year. And I know Simon agrees with that sentiment. And it starts with three-star linebacker Jackson Adams and three-star defensive lineman Jared Ramos, who were dominant in this opening game. Well, they were dominant last year, too. That's how you get three stars. But they were really dominant in this game against Rocky Mountain here. And so they have a defense that can terrorize any offense, really. I think that they're going to give any offensive line some problems throughout the game. And I don't think that this team is going to leave without a sack every single week, if not two or three against some teams. And that's even in the Centennial League, I think, that, you know, this defense is going to make noise. They're going to cause turnovers. They have Pyrese Miller over there, who's a great running back and a good defensive player. He got an interception against Rocky Mountain. So when you have guys who can get it done on both sides of the ball and just a defense that is going to suffocate a lot of teams on this schedule, in my opinion, then I think that makes for a pretty solid contender and a team that will compete with these playoff teams and make some noise and kind of push on through and, you know, with, with a with a strong backfield as well. If, Simon, you want to talk about this backfield a little bit. And, you know, I'm familiar with the, the offensive lines that come through here. There's always some big boys on the Arapo offensive line. And this year is no different with a second-team All-State lineman from last year, Brandon McGowan, who's 6'3", 265. They also have a Josh Kelly, 6'4", 255. A Ruben Escamalia. 6'3", 265, Danny Roth, 6'1", 275, etc., etc. They have depth and they have size on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And, you know, that's, a, I'd say, a qualification of any team to make a deep playoff run. And Arapo fits that bill very well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you don't have to worry about their offensive line. I think they'll be solid enough against some of these pass rushers uh, in in the Centennial League and in 5A. They they have they have the lines to uh, to turn up, uh, in, not only in the Centennial League but in 5A as well. It also kind of helps that uh, there are a lot of very good pass rushers uh, graduating. Like last year, you know, Braden Wood, uh, Arden Walker, Malik, all them boys. Yeah, you have a lot of guys. So you have some younger pass rushers coming through. But Arapahoe has a, an experienced offensive line. And so I think they'll be able to handle a lot of what uh, opposing defenses will be throwing at them. But let me talk about their backfield here real quick. So DJ Montoya, uh, that's a name that I really like. He had a very good game against Rocky Mountain. He was a tough back uh, to tackle and bring down. You know, he always has another one in him. Um, he breaks a lot of tackles. And it's not like he's shifty or anything like that, I would say. He's just strong and runs with a good lower center of gravity and whatnot and so uh he gives this offense a lot of energy <clears throat> just because you know that he has another one in him and so he's a guy that defenses are gonna have to gang tackle and whatnot because he has the potential to break three or four and then break it so there you go and then you have the quarterback obviously he's a senior this year cole hansen 6'4 210 
Cody, I, I kind of want to ask you about your opinion on him after I talk about him a little bit here because he's an interesting quarterback. They had another quarterback come in. Uh, I want to say it's Miller, A.J. Miller. He's a year younger from Valor, and he looked pretty good as well. But it appears that they are going with Cole Hansen. He started this Rocky Mountain game. He was solid, you know, and even last year uh, when he was taking snaps for Arapaho as their starter, you know, he showed that he has a really strong arm, you know, and so I, I kind of feel like he has, well, I don't feel like, I know that he has the athletic ability to potentially torch opposing defenses through the air because you know he could definitely fit it in a lot of different spots and then going deep you know he's gonna test secondaries out you know he's gonna test how how prepared they are that week when they play Arapaho and so he has a strong arm arm on him and so I don't think uh you know going with Hanson instead of Miller is necessarily a bad thing but I need to see Cole Hanson take a significant step forward this year for them to really be like a team that could go to state uh, but Cody, what, what do you think about Cole Hansen here? Well, I I do know that you know he is a talented quarterback. He can squeeze it into some areas. He has a very strong arm, like you said, and you know that allows him to make some wow throws week to week. In addition to that, you know I think that Arapaho has a good setup for any quarterback to succeed. I'd love to see a lot more play action from him this year i think that that opens up more opportunities and makes reads a lot easier you know instead of like every time he passes spreading it out it, at least in like play calling wise and you know i i like the potential for him to take a step forward you also mentioned his athletic ability so you have to you know he's not going to break off like an 80 yard run but a quarterback spy from a linebacker is not a bad idea and he can make some very wow throws I'm not a huge fan of his release. I think that his release is kind of slow. And I'm sure that you could feel that. And then his decision making is probably the biggest question mark for this entire Arapaho team. You know, last year he threw nine interceptions to just eight TDs. So, you know, he gets a little too confident in, in his arm power and squeezing it into some windows that you know, they're not really as open as he thinks they are, so he needs to relax with that. You could see it against this Rocky Mountain team as well this past week with his interception, I'd say. So that's the biggest concern, not only for Cole Hansen, but this entire Arapaho team is, you know, he just needs to kind of take what the defense gives him and go through his reads quite a bit more and then obviously speed up that release. But that's more of an offseason thing where it's like, if it's not fixed by now, it's not going to just be fixed by the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if he's not ready, then he's not ready, you know? So, I mean, it's go time now. Yeah. And I think that he's got to, if he gets better every single week, which he should, and by the end of the season, you know, he's able to against, which we need to talk about this schedule too, by the way. But when he gets into league play, he cannot play the same way that he played last year or Arapo is going to get freaking brutalized through this league schedule. I mean, the Centennial League is arguably the toughest league in in all of Colorado. It's so I, I have no problem calling it the uh, the SEC of Colorado high school leagues. Well, I, I know no you don't, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's legit, though. I mean, these no, teams, yeah, every single team here, well, other than, like, 
Overland and maybe Smoky Hill this year as a playoff team. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, I don't dispute you, but you know, it, they're, they they got to tie it when any team plays uh, in these in the Centennial League or, you know, play a Centennial League team, they have to tighten up their play, especially on offense. I'm not as concerned on defense. They have a lot of experience there, uh, maybe minus their defensive tackle, Exodus Johnson. He's a guy to look out for as well. Uh, he's only a sophomore this year, so he has, a, he has like two more years after this one. But other than that, I think their defense will be fine. I'm more concerned about whether their offense could keep up with some of these teams. And if it comes down to a shootout, can you outshoot your opponent? Or could you shoot enough and be okay? So there you go. But uh, do you want to talk about this uh, schedule or or should I lead off with it? I'll let, I'll let you talk about the schedule. But I before you even say anything, there is going to be a freaking bloodbath this Friday night in the battle for the milk chug is my opinion. Uh, that's that's the rivalry trophy for those who don't know between Arapahoe and Crosstown rival Heritage High School. But go ahead, Simon. Yeah, so I mean Heritage is not gonna win. So that's their next game. They beat Rocky Mountain last week, forty-one to fourteen. Rocky was uh, sure missing Sean Kidd. That was obvious. So there you go. Uh, they should have a pretty easy one versus Heritage. So there you go. There they play Mountain Vista. After that, next Thursday, actually, September 9th. Maybe that's one that I'll be at. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll be there, too. We'll see. Um, But after that, they play Friday night again. um, After that, that is, against Thunder Ridge. We just talked about them. Then they play Rock Canyon, Eagle Crest, Cherokee Trail, uh, Cherry Creek at home. They go away and play Smoky Hill. And then their last game of the season is against Grandview, and that's an away game. So there are definitely, okay, like uh, you could probably like, you know, make an argument for a lot of these Centennial League teams. But the two teams that really stand out to me on their schedule right now is Cherry Creek and Grandview. Kind of at the end there, too. So there's definitely playoff implications there. Um. I feel like there always is, but having it at the end of the season, if you don't take care of business to start off, you might find yourself in kind of a high-pressured situation with Cherry Creek uh, uh, on, uh, oh my god, I can't talk, with Cherry Creek on October 15th, and then Grandview on October 28th, so... Yeah, but Cody, what do you think about this schedule? You being a former Arapaho Warrior is much more familiar with their schedules and how they go. So uh, take it away. I think even for Arapaho, this schedule is pretty tough. This schedule is pretty tough. Um, obviously, these first two weeks, you know, gaining some confidence is good. Mountain Vista, they always play us really tough, like every single year. I actually don't think we beat Mountain Vista when I was there. Um, now that I think about it, granted, that's when they had Judd Erickson. So things were a little bit different. They should beat this Mountain Vista team. I don't think it'll be necessarily a blowout, kind of like this Rocky Mountain or this Heritage game even will be, but definitely a winnable game here. Thunder Ridge is a huge test. We already talked about Thunder Ridge. It's going to be a huge test for this defensive line and seeing how they can contain Seth Frazier. And then, you know, this is a game where Cole Hansen 
if he's going to have quote unquote like a coming out party and really just put a lot of yards on the board and throw for a lot of touchdowns, Thunder Ridge could be the team that he does it against. And so, you know, I'm looking for Cole Hansen. I think he should probably throw three touchdowns in this Thunder Ridge game um, in order to to compete. Because, you know, even with the defense, Seth Frazier is going to find ways and things to make it happen. And Thunder Ridge is going to score at least probably 21 points, even with this Arapaho defense being as good as it is. So you need your quarterback to step it up. And so this is going to be a huge game for Cole Hansen and for the fate of Arapaho for the rest of the season. Rock Canyon pretty solid high school all of these are over in my neck of the woods so i'm really familiar with all these schools i know a lot of parents um through my recreation job who have kids on rock canyon right now and their squad has looked pretty all right through scrimmages and things like that and you know they also won their first week as well most of these teams actually won their very first week which is insane to think about uh as far as having a really tough schedule but anyways then you have eagle crest who's like the only team that's actually other than Heritage on this schedule that lost their opening game, which is wild F. But anyways, I think that they should take care of business against Eagle Crest. This will be a good test once again for Jared Ramos and Jackson Adams against some of these three-star tackles here. And, you know, if they're able to get a lot of pressure and come out of this game with a solid win, I think that, look, by the time you're facing Cherry Creek, you should be either 6-0 and or 5-1. and Anything less than that, then you're not legit and you're just the same old rapo who's gonna maybe beat some really bad team in the first round and then lose in the second round to a team that's more legit than you that's kind of my outlook on it and I, i'm allowed to say that because i went there and that was the story first round exits one win and then done the next week it, it's a story that's way too familiar and needs to be changed for this Arapaho culture to take it a bit more seriously. And, you know, on that culture episode, I was definitely calling out, you know, some some former athletes of Arapaho High School. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that the attitudes and the culture isn't really that different from when I left, as far as some kids just being happy to be on the football team and, you know, you know, fans still celebrating even after a loss, similar to what we saw last week on Friday in Boulder. But anyways, uh, it's it's time to put up or shut up for the, for this Rappo team. Heading into this Creek game, you have to at least be 5-1 and one, or you're not legit. That's kind of where I'm at with this schedule and with this Rappo team if they're trying to be different than any years past. Hey, uh, a shout out to my guy, Coach New. He's the new head coach over there. So um, coming from California, and actually he runs uh, FanVu Media. So check that out as well. They uh, do a lot of uh, stuff for Colorado football. So um, this this isn't you know a promotion for them because we're not getting paid by them. They're just good people. So there you go. But we'll see. We'll see. They do have a new head coach this year. So. You know, we'll, we'll see if the culture changes up or, you know, maybe it takes a little bit of time rather than his first year as the head coach at Arapaho. So we'll see what goes down. Um, should we talk about this right here? Do you think Cherry Creek or sorry, do you think Arapaho could beat Cherry Creek? I don't think Arapaho could beat Cherry Creek, but hear me out. OK, if they if they're legit, they need to do better than they have because usually when when Arapaho plays Creek, it it's bad. It's usually like I think my senior year we lost to Creek like 35 to 10 
or something like that. Last year they lost to Creek 49 to seven. So like, you know, Creek doesn't circle the Arapo. Arapo circles the Creek game, but Creek doesn't circle the Arapo game, if that makes sense. And that's kind of just how it's always been with Creek. And so Arapo needs to come out there and they need to kick Creek in the mouth. And you can't lose this Creek game by more than a touchdown or 10 points. I'll say 10. If you can hang ten? within 10, 10 points of this Creek team, then you're probably a top four team. But if you if you lose by more than 10, you're you're a one and done. You're the same as every other Arapaho team in the past decade. <laughs> well, surprise, October 15th, me and Mason actually talked about this uh, because it is in uh, Arapaho. I think we are thinking about going to that game. So, wow, we'll, way to invite me. <laughs> well, you'll, you live there, so you'll be there. <laughs> And so does Mason. He lives there. So we'll we'll figure it out. So that might be a game that we go to. No, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how the season pans out. But all right, fair enough. And then, yeah, we, we could talk about Grandview later. So, okay, then. All right. Well, Cody, realistically, if you had to put Arapaho's chances of making it to state in percentages, where would it be? Just like how I said, or I don't know if I said this on air about TCA and Eden, but um, go ahead. <laughs> Arapaho's chances of making it to state. Well, let me preface it. Let me preface it. Are normally probably like one to like 5% on a, on a regular year. This year, I'll say that they have like a 15% chance of making state. I that sounds bad. That sounds worse than it is. Sounds really bad. It sounds really bad. We're gonna talk about some teams that are super legit coming up, right? But compared to most if there is going to be a year, it's this year for Arapaho High School, in my opinion. With the talent that they have on the defensive side of the ball and the two dual headed backfield that they have. It, and it's kinda it's up to Cole Hansen. How far this team goes if they want to make it to state cole hansen you obviously have to throw more touchdowns than interceptions and that's kind of it but like by a, a decent margin like two to one and this team has a pretty strong chance of making it into the state you cannot be turning the ball over in the centennial league and not in the playoffs for sure all right you heard it here first cody said arapaho has a 15 percent chance of making it all right. Well, with that being said, that doesn't sound better when I say it back. I. Anyways, <laughs> with that being said, we talked about Arapaho. We've talked about a couple other teams coming up next. We're going to talk about more contenders. These are two teams that we feel like can make a lot of noise, you know, and really um, shock some people despite having some young players and some new coaches in their program coming up next. All right, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. So here's the move. We're going to talk about these two teams here, and then the last two teams will be in a part two that we release on Friday. So this episode, or this part of the episode should be coming out uh, September 1st, actually, tomorrow. So there you go. But the other team that we feel like will be a contender this year 
is Fairview High School. We checked them out last week. They're our game of the week, and there's a good reason for that. They lived up to the hype, in my opinion. And so, before we talk about the Fairview of this year, let's talk about the Fairview of the past, um, well, this past season, I would say. They are kind of losing, you know, a solid amount of talent. So they're losing quarterback Liam O'Brien. He was our fifth best quarterback last year. Um, he was on our list there. He was also their leading rusher with like 300 rushing yards or something weird like that. So I, I don't know. But uh, a little bit of a dual threat over there in Liam O'Brien. I believe he just committed to Penn. Not Penn State, but like, you know. Uh, Penn, like um, they're they're a pretty uh, prestigious academic college out there, and uh, have a solid program. So you know, congrats to him. He also has one of the highest GPAs that we've ever, um, well, one of the highest GPAs of, of the playmakers that we've covered here on the show. So no Kenzie Murdoch, but still pretty good. Yeah, he's he's you know a, a good second, I, not even a close second because Kenzie was a whole one point ahead of him. But anyways enough of that uh then you're losing two wide receivers two guys that we talked about last year who both made our list i believe at three and four so you have jay barry um he was one of their best uh, wide receivers he transferred from denver east to fairview he also led the team in interceptions so that's a pretty tough loss i believe he snagged five five or six interceptions there then you're losing josh roland as well he was a very good wide receiver last year um now he's down in new mexico and so that's tough you're losing the number one rated defensive lineman in the state in Braden wood he's over at kansas state doing his thing right now uh you're losing lead linebacker liam huber i want to say he was their lead tackler as well um and running back so well not lead running back well, he was their lead running back, but not lead rusher. So there you go. So altogether, you're losing kind of a bit of talent here and multiple positions here. Not the most, though, because you do have a lot of talent that is coming back. And so let me talk about some of the guys here that I really like here. Obviously, you cannot talk about Fairview without talking about class of 22 athlete nebraska commit grant page he also won player of the week this last week for pulling off something that you know i don't think any other player except for maybe him will be able to pull off again this season by snagging a rushing touchdown receiving touchdown and interception all in one game you know the only thing he's missing there is a passing touchdown but you know we'll talk about passing later here and so arguably he's the best football player in colorado right now um, watching him last week, he's the real deal. At 6'3", 200 pounds, for someone to move that way as an offensive weapon, you know, he's obviously agile enough. He has great speed there, could get separation. He's definitely a problem. And then obviously on defense, he's a weapon as well. You know, when we watched him, he was playing a lot of uh, zone, you know, over the top. I believe it was, I saw a lot of cover one looks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, coming from Grant Page there, some cover two looks here and there, but he's definitely somebody that, you know, he's he's an athlete, you know, so he could cover the field and whatnot. He could erase a lot of mistakes made by uh, DBs, some young DBs that they will have this year. And so that's never a bad thing to have a guy in Grant Page who could potentially be a player of the year type of guy uh, on the 5A level. So there you go. Um, uh, 
kind of sticking on defense here here's another guy who's returning is their linebacker zach lewis he's like six foot 210 or something in that range uh, he had a pretty good game against boulder racking up 12 tackles he for the most part he played boulder's run game pretty well had a lot of stuffs there and so he was super productive this year you know he's due for a really productive senior season he was a key part of this defense last year as well i think he was one of the lead tacklers and so going into this next year he's another guy that you look at that you're like okay you're losing some tackles with Braden wood uh you know jay barry josh roll and all them guys right but you got a really good linebacker in zach lewis you could kind of hold it down and make up for some of that um plus grant page you know one of the best athletes in the entire country and so those are the two experienced vets that fairview has and i feel pretty good about them also by the way zach lewis does play running back i think he got a rushing touchdown in there as well um actually just watching fairview's offense they did a little bit of a better job running the ball at least in the red zone because they have some big backs uh all kind of in the six foot to six two uh 210 to 215 range and so that's pretty sizable um as far as running backs go but cody i'm gonna go ahead and let you talk about their offense here and why they're an exciting young offense to look out for sweet thanks for the toss over simon and you know i think that something that has been pretty consistent about fairview offenses in the past and something that remained consistent this this time around is they just have so many weapons and they have ways to get all of their playmakers balls in in different ways i mean let's see one two three four six different receivers caught a football last week which is really impressive and only one had less only had like one reception if that makes sense everyone else had three plus so you know everyone around there can catch the ball and you could tell that i feel like there was a little bit of rust this first week too so i definitely feel that this might be the worst that it is and you could do a lot worse than 42 points being your absolute worst in a in a rival crosstown rivalry game nonetheless you know they had uh jordan rochelle uh who had six catches for 86 yards and two back jordan had a, a great game for for a freshman receiver snagging two of beckham's touchdowns you you could tell that you know, there is great chemistry there. Grant Page, you already talked about Grant Page. We know that he's just like that. And he's going to be like that against every team all year. And then, you know, you also had Ben Anderson making some plays on the receiving end. Just a lot of those in-between-the-hashes kind of plays. So a lot of these guys have pretty sure hands. They run a variety of routes, I will say. So it keeps the defense on their toes, for sure. And kind of keeps them guessing. I, I feel like this isn't this isn't a true statement but for hyperbolic purposes they have like as many rushing attempts in this first game as they did all of last year i feel like so like you know it's nice that they feel confident in their running game uh cole neesmith is someone who had a pretty solid game and i think he was the dagger uh as far as like the touchdown that put fairview out of reach of boulder for good for the rest of the game so yes. you know you have a couple of different guys that you can call on to to make those plays you obviously have the option of running grant page out of the wildcat like they did for his one touchdown run which is always nice to have and it's like okay yeah grant page from the five yard line going in you could do whatever you want and still probably not stop this guy or if you do you're probably putting three defenders on him and someone else is going to have an opportunity to score inside the red zone too 
So they could just, it's a pick your poison kind of deal when you're going against Fairview. I also want to point out that the pocket looked pretty clean most of the day against that Boulder defense. I don't know how much that means citing the Boulder defense, but Beckham had plenty of time and the pocket was maneuverable too. The pocket never was really collapsed, I would say. And so, you know, if, if Beckham needed to get outside of the pocket, it was really easy. There was a lane between the tackle and the guard for him to step up and through, or, you know, that there is constant, consistently a clean pocket. And, you know, part of that is a, a testament to some of their size. You know, they have a Cade Payton, 6'2", 250, a Leaf Bruno, 6'2", 275, a Nick Worcester, 6'2", 265. So, you know, they have solid size, but I thought that their technique looked pretty clean, honestly, despite despite the amount of holding penalties, which is never going to happen again, and probably cost Fairview 14 more points. Is that mm -hmm. a fair assessment? It might be 21 points. Um, yeah, they, no. There was multiple times when they were on the other side of the 40, and then they literally got holding penaltied all the way to the 30-yard line, which... But they weren't holding I don't know penalties. about that. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, I definitely remember... And Mason talked about this on the Week 1 recap. Go ahead and check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, but Mason praised uh, their skill and, you know, their poise and uh, just, just how great they looked up pass blocking and whatnot. He said they did a pretty solid job. But also, this is something that we didn't mention in that recap. But there's definitely a point in the game, Cody, where you and Mason actually just started watching the offensive line for like a whole drive straight. And they called like four or five holding penalties. Maybe not four or five. They called a lot of holding penalties, though. It might have and, been four or five. Well, yeah. Um, but y'all were watching the line, though, and... I believe y'all said there wasn't a single hold when you were watching the line. So yeah. those were imaginary flags being thrown because I was watching. I watched the guard and the tackle on the near side. Mason watched from the center over. And I also kept an eye on the running back, you know, who would usually stay to chip block. No hands even got outside uh, of the lineman. I have, there is no Jersey pulling or none, none of that. So yeah, for that whole drive, they threw like three flags and Mason and I kept looking at each other like, what are they throwing it on? I have no idea what they're talking about. So that was uh, some suspicious behavior. Well, it let's sucks. call it what it is. They were trying to keep Boulder into the game because this was a game that should have gotten out of hand uh, in the second quarter. Yes, that's yeah. Tell it like it is. There is definitely some some suspicious behavior for sure some real yeah. sussy bakas uh roughing right. the game but anyways do you, you want to talk about beckham for those of you who are first time listeners maybe they don't know who uh, beckham is yet oh oh right well yeah first you should probably off, do that. go, go back and listen to our our middle school quarterbacks episode where we talk about beckham kritza who you know is the quarterback for fairview now brady vodka who is a middle school quarterback for creek and was it Trent Seaborn? Trent Seaborn was the other one, too, who's now in seventh grade and plays for the CU Buffs. Uh, junior Buffs. Junior yeah. Buffs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he plays for the CU Buffs as a seventh grader. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> That's Micah Fleming, who has a USC offer. But anyways, but <laughs> getting back on track here, Beckham Kritza looked really good for for a debut. And as a freshman. Uh, yeah, as a freshman. We didn't we weren't really surprised by what we saw. 
We bet new Beckham has a, a powerful arm. He has good velocity. And, you know, he was able to make all the throws. He should have left with more than zero interceptions, though. I remember we kept talking like, ooh, what was that throw? We said that he probably should have had two interceptions that were just like he just kind of threw it up there and hoped for the best. And the, you know, the Boulder secondary being as prestige as they are, weren't able to make a play. So, yeah, um, they were all most. Mostly third quarter like he had a really not just him but like the entire offense had a very cold third quarter to be honest with you um didn't turn it over but you had plenty of close calls where it's like that ball is already behind you know or you're throwing that way too late and so there's some timing issues there and whatnot but and that was basically the entire third quarter but regardless though i mean still a really good game for a freshman and also you got to keep this in mind like this game probably has a little bit more hype to it because it's the first like game in two years with a packed crowd uh, with that. That's a rivalry game and whatnot. And so Beckham, he was in middle school the last time they played this rivalry game with a packed crowd. Grant Page was a sophomore. Ironically, you know, in his <laughs> ironically in that game was where he actually came out and, um, you know, was becoming he was becoming the guy that we knew we know him as today you know in that game he had like two touchdowns and a fumble recovery or something crazy like that uh two years ago and so a lot of time has went by most of these young players really anybody that's a sophomore and younger has not played in a like crazy like you got fans in your face type of game like this also you had fans throwing stuff on the field and stuff and so it was it was wild and so to have this intense environment environment yes it was very intense and it would have been intense for anybody to be honest with you but for beckham to step in and all these other underclassmen jordan as well and do their thing there's definitely something to be said there to come out in your very first varsity game really uh, really your very first high school football game didn't even play jv or freshman and do what you do to boulder granted it is boulder and i'm not trying to slander them because i know they're they're a little salty about it but they did what they did against boulder and then ultimately they also got the dub as well and so you know you throw that in plus the tough third quarter this is a kind of a dangerous team you know my bad here i kind of cut you off here but i'm just gonna list off his stats and then you could continue but uh, beckham did end up have, throwing 27 for 39 uh for 328 yards and three touchdowns with a 69 percent completion rate uh and then the other freshman jordan rochelle he had six receptions on 86 yards and two touchdowns uh in his debut in their debut game so there you go but sorry continue and talk about beckham as well that's just how it ended though yeah no the beckham did everything he needed to do as far as things that you could complain about there was the interceptions that should have happened there was one swing pass that he threw behind the running back that was a live ball which is, you know, like it, the mistakes that he was making were we were expecting it coming into the game. And, you know, we, we weren't surprised when it did happen. But, you know, overall, it still worked out. He still performed to our like pros expectations, I would say, you know, as far as pros and cons go. And then, Simon, you kind of talked about this. And, you know, I, I'm sure that it, it's, you know, we, we talked about it plenty during the game, too. The timing 
will get better, but it needs to get better for for Beckham. A lot of passes that, you know, they were catchable balls to the receivers, but they're just a little bit behind, you know, where the receivers kind of have to reach back, especially on the in routes or, you know, like the spot routes, I would say, was probably the most common ones where they're like moving in and he kind of puts it where they were more than where they're going. So, yeah, I mean, it all worked out fine this game, but I think against some of these tougher 5A secondaries, you're going to have some players that just rip it out from the receivers. Um, maybe not like Grant Page, but, you know, Jordan hasn't had to face off against, you know, a secondary like Grandview. So you want to prepare for that because come playoff time, if you make these same throws that are just a little bit behind against a Grandview, you're going to leave with probably like five picks as kind of like, you know, the the growth that needs to happen for Fairview to make it to state kind of hinges on Beckham. And, you know, converting a lot more on offense in general. When you force Simon, I don't I wasn't counting this when we were at the game, but they forced eight turnovers. Yeah, it didn't seem like that many, um, but they had four interceptions, I think. I, and I four fumble Zane. recoveries. Yes, that too. Um, but I know Zhang, he had two interceptions, so that one of their corners had two. Grant Page had one. Then I think a linebacker snagged another. And then you mentioned the fumble recoveries as well. Um, comparatively, Fairview, I think, only had one turnover, and it was a fumble by Beckham. Um, it was just a pass rush, and he didn't see the guy, and it it, it happened. I think it was got before crushed. we got there. Yeah, or maybe we were already there. No, I, we, I don't, we were. Was it early on in the game? I keep trying yeah, to remember. I'm pretty sure it was during the cold third quarter. Oh, well, there you go. So, comparatively, you have, what, eight turnovers to one? And you yeah, and I'm just saying that you need to, to score. score. I'm just saying that you need to score when you get eight turnovers. Like, you should have 56 points, in my opinion, not 42. You should have at least 50 points, yeah. Yeah. Um, And a lot of those, well... Maybe I have to think back to this, but Penal- I feel like a lot of those happened in the... Them, though. Wait, what? I said penalties did kill some of these turnovers, though. Yeah, like, yeah. made-up penalties. No, so. well, yeah, they were made-up penalties for sure. It shouldn't have been that close. But I feel like a lot of those uh, turnovers that happened, some of them happened in the third where they just couldn't score at all. And, look, you can't play an incomplete game. I think they know this. Beckham definitely know this, you know, from... a. Our conversations with him and whatnot obviously it's his first game so you want to give him some sack he's also a freshman so like to expect a freshman to lead a team to state i mean you don't nobody really does that i mean kyler murray didn't even do that you know archie manning um as in sorry arch manning the number one quarter quarterback in Braden dorman's class you know he plays down in louisiana he definitely didn't get close there and so for a freshman to do some of the things that we are saying like oh he needs to be able to do this and that that's definitely a stretch and we understand that you know but to be real you know if you want to compete you have to play a full four quarters and that starts with the quarterback um, being the head of the offense, especially, you know, a high-powered offense like Fairview's. Right, Cody? Absolutely right. And I think that you bring up a great point there. Beckham still is performing miles above even most of 5A quarterbacks as a freshman. So don't get it twisted. We're not... We're not dogging him so much as we know that his ceiling makes this team virtually unstoppable. 
Yeah, I I would even go as far as saying is this Boulder game um, is low-key the floor of Beckham's skill right now. Maybe throwing a couple of turnovers, you know. There are definitely, okay, there are a couple of throws you already said that should have been turnovers. But yeah, I, I would still say that this Boulder game was the, was the floor of a Beckham skill. And so there's a lot of potential ahead. He should get better from this game. You know, there are a lot of good things to take from it. Obviously, you know the stats. Um, his pocket awareness and movement was excellent, I would say. Like, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the state that don't know how to move like that. Um, you know, they just know roll out right and roll out left and then throw it away or, you know, kind of throw it deep. That's that's as far as <laughs> that's as far as their pocket movement and awareness go for the majority of quarterbacks in the state. But Beckham being a freshman, you know, looked very polished there. And so uh honestly, I think this is the floor for um for Beckham and whatnot, you know. And so there's a lot of potential here. I just I mean, you know, you, you don't know when that potential is going to eventually pan out because it is a long season. He is only a freshman. You know, it could take some time as well. Uh, I mean, it's it'd be dumb to not say that there won't be any growing pains or like tough games at all where he's just off, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I think that that summarizes it pretty well and summarizes how this Fairview season is going to go, which I think is a fair transition to start talking about their schedule, right, Simon? Yeah, let's do it. It's not much to talk about, but yeah, we can still do it. <laughs> well, I say one of their tougher games is coming up this Friday against Castleview. Yes. They have Oh my goodness. They have that one recruit on that team, that athlete. I'm spacing on his name right now. No, 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 no. He doesn't play for Castleview. He plays for Douglas County. You're capping, right? No, Antoine Jackson Jr. plays for Douglas no, County. I'm not, talk I'm not talking about Antoine Jackson Jr. I'm talking about Blake Haggerty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's all right. I mean, he's a three-star recruit, so it's it's okay. worth mentioning. You know, What they does he play? He's an athlete, so running back, receiver, okay. DB. Um, but anyways... That's more talented than anyone Boulder had last week, so on on their entire roster. So, you know, Castleview, that should be a little bit tougher. You have to go all the way to Castle Rock, so, you know, got to make sure that uh, someone keeps Beckham awake on the bus. <laughs> He's definitely a, a high-energy kind of guy, so, you know, I, I think sitting on a bus for a little bit might not be ideal. But, you know, he should still come out here sling the rock against this Castleview team this is a game you should win Grand Junction Central holy crap you guys should probably put 60 points on this team in my opinion and you have Prairie View much the same I don't think that they'll have a real shootout shootout challenge until this Thursday the 23rd game against Chaparral and that might be the toughest game on their entire schedule you know they had that Kylan oh my goodness Hold up, gotta scroll. That they have that Kylan Wilson quarterback who, you know, lit it up against this Eagle Crest team this last week, throwing for four and running for another one and having over 300 total yards of offense. So, you know, that's a game where everyone will have to buckle in and it might just be a, a huge shootout uh, against the Chaparral team. But other than that, I don't really see too many challenges on this schedule, Simon. You know, you have Legacy that next week. Yeah. Then you have Rocky Mountain, which 
If Rappo can take care of Rocky Mountain, then Fairview has no ex- Beckham has no excuse to not take care of it against Rocky Mountain. Fossil Ridge, who you know they lost their oh, opening week no. twenty-one to three. So yeah. then you have Pooter and Horizon. Yeah, Simon- I, I saw Pooter play um, a scrimmage. I, they're not. No, <laughs> no, they're not that team. They're they're not that guy. Yeah. So. Obviously, Fairview is the favorite and should be the favorite to win their league and arguably go undefeated here. I don't know if that yeah. ends I don't know if that ends up in a number one seed because the schedule is really weak. Um just being honest. It's one of the weaker schedules I've probably seen in this entire preview since we've been doing these previews. Is that a fair assessment, Simon? Yeah, that's plenty fair, to be honest with you. But um, in this, I guess in this way, it kind of plays to their strength. You know, they do have a freshman quarterback. They have kind of a younger team in general. I know you have Grant Page and a couple other guys, but this is still kind of a younger team as far as skill players go, I would say. And so you have a lot of time here. You have two months to grow and get to where you want to be in the playoffs, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you just hope that all of the growing pains kind of work themselves out here. And by the time that they get to playoffs, you know, they're confident enough to go against some of these other these other contenders that we'll be talking about, as well as the ones that we have talked about thus far. Yeah, well, I, I don't see how you can't not be confident if you go undefeated in the regular season and thrash like five of the nine teams here, you know. I, including Boulder, which, by the way, was still a 42-21 uh, dub when all was said and done, even though it was close in some points. And so I don't know. I, I just have a hard time not seeing them as um, a team that's just not confident enough going into the playoffs. If anything, they might be overconfident, you know, um, and that's probably the bigger problem here. You know, especially knowing Beckham, he's definitely a guy who is a very big personality i would say and that's a good thing you know he's the type of guy that'll lead your team and whatnot and he has he has a lot of fire and he's a dog out there for sure you know but that could go either way if you aren't playing to uh, the level that you should be and you're taking some of these teams for granted and you're you know making little mistakes not showing up for quarters like they should thrash every they should be averaging 50 points a game to be honest with you this is a team that we knew what they were capable capable of going into Boulder last Friday, and they did it. You know, scored 42 to 21, um, won 42 to 21, scored 42. Probably could have scored more if there were some things that were actually fair. To be completely honest with you, and so watching that game, it's really just hard looking at some of these other teams and being like, mm, you know, they score less than 30 here, or a uh, lot go bad here unless they play down. You know, and so that's just kind of where I'm at. I think as far as Fairview goes, uh, they're a team that I could see some of the contenders that we will talk about on Friday, on that Friday episode. I could see those teams overlooking Fairview easily. Uh, First off, because they have a freshman quarterback in Beckham and they feel like maybe they could harass him into making some dumb decisions. Is that fair to say, Cody? Oh, absolutely. That's the that's the achilles heel 
uh, of this Fairview team. <laughs> yeah. And so, so there you go, you know, but Beckham, we, I mean, we know this dude, you know, we've known him for about a year now. He's put in a lot of work. He's gotten significantly better, you know? And so, I mean, you see where his floor is. His ceiling could be anywhere at this point, you know, and this is definitely an offense that could beat you multiple ways and um, could get into a shootout. In fact, they want you, the opposing team to get into a shootout with them because they know they could beat you in more ways than you can beat them. That's just what it is. You know, there aren't many teams that run the kind of spread offense that Fairview does and have the running game and creativity with the running game that they showed on Friday, at least, um, that they do. You know, that's opened up because of the passing game. So at this point, this is uh this is you could call them a dark horse team, right? I think I'd call them a dark horse team. I if you well, I, it's hard calling them a dark horse team because we Ben knew like you and I Ben well, knew. Obviously, yeah. But like, I guess to the general public, yeah, this is a dark horse team and a team that could pull off some serious upsets because if you want to get into a track race with the fastest kid in the school they're like you said they're fine with it um they, they win they win probably over 95 percent of the track races they get in for the rest of this year and that includes playoffs so you you gotta if you're facing this fairview team you gotta force the freshman to make freshman mistakes basically and he's not your typical freshman so no, he's probably the best in the entire state, but we'll talk about that another day. Um, before we move on, Cody, I just want to ask you this, you know, looking at their schedule, looking at the team they have, you know, obviously Beckham's our guy, so we should talk about him just one last time here. Do you think Beckham throws a 400-yard game this season? Yes or no? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you. I thought maybe you'd be a little bit more hesitant. Okay. The only reason that Beckham doesn't throw a 400-yard game is that they pull him. Okay. What about a 500-yard game? Now I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. Okay. 500 is a lot of yards, and I just don't know if Beckham will be in for that long. Um, I think that the best chance he would have is against like Chaparral. Yes. where it's another team that passes a lot because you know once you get into playoffs a lot of these teams have really good run games so he just wouldn't have the ball enough i think come playoff time unless you know he faced off against like a thunder ridge in the playoffs which would be super freaking lit um that'd be fun yeah yeah that would be a great game or or like a douglas county high school uh with antoine jackson jr over there but you know chaparral the best chance for a 500 yard game but I think that, you know, in this, like, low-key kind of blowout win, he threw 328, and, like, in another blowout, he could probably throw for 400 yards. Um, it seemed I, like a pedestrian 328, to be honest with you. I guess um, I want to flip a, a question back to you, Simon. Do you think Beckham throws 30 touchdowns this year? Oh, yeah. I think, okay, I'm going to throw this in there as well because I know we're talking about Beckham a lot and it is a team sport. Grant Page is going to break some records this year. He's going to break a record this year if he hasn't At already. Least. Yeah, so low-key Grant Page could go for 20 touchdowns. If, like, I, I mean, I don't see it. I think a lot of the time uh, Fairview is probably going to pull him and maybe, maybe let him play three quarters at most in blowouts. Um, maybe if it gets to that, I could see him playing two quarters more likely, you know, but, uh, Grant Page could probably go for 20 receiving touchdowns if he really wanted to. 
um that beckham that bk to grant page uh hookup looks really good to be honest with you so uh i could see that happening i i'd be surprised if beckham doesn't throw at least 30 touchdowns I, the number i'm more concerned about is his interceptions because i'm sure i mean we we know this dude right so <coughs> sorry we know this dude right so like if beckham makes a mistake he's not the type to be like oh man i made a mistake you know and be all like pouty about it like he's gonna come back with vengeance and try to make it right you know which may or may not be another pick or a touchdown to be honest with you but he's gonna try to make that right you could guarantee that and so he's not gonna shy away like i could definitely see some games where he's like all right screw it you know i already threw two picks let me throw three more touchdowns make it a five touchdown <laughs> to two interception type of game or a six touchdowns to three interception type of game i could see those type of games happening to be honest with you which gets concerning because that's when you start playing sloppy which you you can't you know you gotta be you gotta be all the, you gotta be all in once playoffs come around you know and every game counts towards playoffs so yeah so i i definitely see 30 touchdowns you heard it here first 30 touchdowns and a 400 yard game this season uh no pressure beckham because we know that you're probably listening um well, so we know he's listening so yeah yeah, yeah. so that's our expectation right, for you You'll but right. just go win just go win the football games don't don't worry about the stats i know that they're fun but just go win football games and you'll be all right that's yeah the, that's i mean the, have some fun dude you have a premier weapon in grand page how many freshman quarterbacks could say they got a 6-3 receiver with speed? None in Colorado. So, really, maybe not even none on this side of the country. So, there you go. So, just have some fun with it. I mean, it's your freshman year. At worst, you still have three more years, right? So, there you go. Yeah, but- yeah. With that being said, let's go ahead and move on here. Talk about our last team for this episode at least for this part of the episode uh and that is grandview high school you know they have a new head coach which is really interesting because you know that i i don't know how many teams and coaches and i don't know people around the league would be like oh yeah grandview that's a for sure contender like obviously they've had talent before they have a lot of history there we know that you know but with a first year head coach that's kind of asking for a lot but uh, Cody, I'll, I'll let you lead on this one more. So, um, why do you feel like Grandview is one of those teams that can be a favorite going into the playoffs? Well, I think something that's pretty easy to look at is their Week One one-point win over another powerhouse in Pomona, where this Liam Sarza kid, this quarterback or Sara, I think he's a sophomore. And Sarza, Sarza, by the way, Sarza. Okay, but anyways, this this quarterback dug in, made a variety of throws, ran the ball when he needed to, when he needed to, not just tuck and run after one read. Ran the ball when the play broke down, when the pocket collapsed, made plays with his legs. He came in clutch for this Grandview team. And I think that's a great preview for what this team is capable of heading into this this entire season. And most importantly, I think that that's a great preview for what they could potentially do in the playoffs. So Pomona, you know, this is a team we talked about them a little bit on the first segment. Consistently strong defense, big up front. That didn't matter to this Grandview team who is stacked 
everywhere. I'm just going to talk about who they're returning this year. They are returning their two leading interception interception leaders in Malik Singleton and Caden Rulo, who had 10 between the two of them. Caden Rulo also, who is just a playmaker in general, had another three pass deflections last year and a blocked punt last year. So he's a freak athlete who can make plays anywhere. And he's a threat to take an interception all the way back to the house. You know, you have uh, Musa Alsafar, their running back, who last year ran for 746 yards and six TDs. And, you know, he gave he gave Pomona some serious problems on on Thursday night, which is that game should have been a Friday night game. But anyways, you know, he gave Pomona some serious problems and looked really nimble out there. And I think that, you know, his ability to change direction and make some jump cuts kind of puts him in a league of his own. And I wouldn't be surprised if we end up talking about him on our top five running backs episode, even as an honorable mention or as, you know, one of the top five guys. They're also returning their top two receivers from last year. And Malik Singleton also was the leading tackler last year for this Grandview team. I don't know if you knew that, Simon. And, you know, I think is a potential defensive player of the year candidate in Malik. On top of, on top of, on top of all that, their offensive line and their defensive line are monsters. They have Caden Bird on the offensive line, 6'5", 340 pounds. Tanner Current, 6'2", 255 pounds. Wyatt Walters, 6'4", 275 pounds. Owen Unruh, 6'1", 225 pounds. And a lot of these guys, they actually kind of play both ways. They'll play defensive tackle and an interior line, and they'll leave the speed rushing up to, you know, last year they did graduate uh, Mukende Wakalanji, who is a first-team All-State defensive end. I think he's doing his thing at CSU. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So he's at CSU and he has, I'm pretty sure that these are both his younger brothers, including uh, Malumba, Wakalanje, who's 6'2", 200 pounds. And Simon, I'll, I'll let you talk about him a little bit more because he's seen a little bit more on him, but he's also a threat off the edge and he has potential, I think, to even be better than his brother was. So you have just a lot of talent on this defensive side of the ball and you have an offense that can move the ball in a variety of ways you know liam made a plethora of throws you know you have an option to run a read option with him because he's mobile enough to do something like that you can run rpos with him with al safar you know the defense can't no defense can key on just one guy for this grandview team because they are just so overall stacked if that may like there we talked about how fairview can beat you in a variety of ways well so can grandview and that's with you know, through the passing game, whether it's Evan Johnson or Charlie Dick making plays at the receiver position, Alsoffer, who can also catch out of the backfield and make some plays. And with Liam uh, Zarka, that's Zarka, actually. Um, (laughs) I just re I just put it in my notes wrong. But anyways, (laughs) Liam, who can make a lot of plays in a variety of ways. And I think that's what separates this team from so many others. And they were good last year. You know, I'd say that their schedule is obviously tough in the Centennial League, but last year, you know, they beat a Smoky Hill pretty good who has a Le- who had a Leslie Richardson. They were within one point of an Eagle Crest who is really loaded. They thumped an Arapaho in week one. So, like, you know, their, their schedule being as tough as it was, basically only playing league games other than two, 
in a, in a shortened season. I don't think their schedule reflects how good this team actually was last year. And so they have a lot of these guys coming back who remember last year and remember that, you know, they got beat up. They were like the little brother of this Centennial League last year and they remember. And so they're going to make everyone else know that they remember this year. Simon, I'll go ahead and pass it off to you because I've been talking for a minute. But this Grandview team, suffocating defense, who I think will be able to slow down. You know, if any defense is going to slow down teams in this 5A level, it's this, this Grandview defense is one of them, who I think can hold basically any team to under 30 points, which sounds bad. That doesn't sound impressive. But when we start talking about some of the higher profile offenses in this league, it makes a lot of sense. And it's actually a huge compliment. Simon, would you disagree with that statement? No, I wouldn't disagree with that statement. They have a fantastic defense. Uh, Kaden Rulo, arguably the number one DB in the entire state. Obviously, there's Grant Page, but, you know, Kaden Rulo basically just plays defense, you know, safety end corner, and he's just one of the best for a reason, snagging six picks. He is a dominant player, defensive player, that is, and could really be used as a weapon to uh, just suppress opposing offenses you know like you said cody and so when you look start looking at some of these high-powered offenses uh even a fairview for example you know Caden rulo he's that type of guy that's gonna cause trouble you know he, he he he's just that dude you know and so for grandview to have one arguably a top five player in the entire state and Caden rulo that's that's huge you know and then obviously the other guys you talked about malik singleton he's a safety he led the team in tackles last year he was super productive last year he's probably going to be even more productive this year and so he's somebody to keep an eye out for and then their cornerback marcus williams um he's an experienced defensive player i like him at corner uh i, I wouldn't say he's like a fantastic awesome like miles purchase type but he is good enough he's a very good uh corner uh went up again I mean, he's been starting for like two years now. And so really all together, you look at this Grandview defense, especially in their uh, singleton, especially in their secondary between Caden Rulo, Malik, Marcus. You know, you have some dudes here who are experienced defensive players going up against plenty of teams with inexperience on their offense. You know, we talked about Fairview. Um, I mean, spoiler alert. I don't think this is that much of a spoiler alert. But, you know, you have Cherry Creek and Valor. Well, more so Cherry Creek losing a lot. And then you have Valor as well, um, who, you know, they are who they are. So there you go. But I think this could be one of the top secondaries in the league, if not in the entire state. Uh, they also have some defensive linemen. Uh, you talked about some of them, Cody. They have some big boys up front. Uh, the younger uh, Wakalanji brother, or I assume it's his brother, uh, Mulamba, I, I was able to watch some of his film. He is extremely fast. At, I want to say he's like only 6'2", 205, 210 right now. I want to say last year he was playing at 62200. Uh he's an extremely fast pass rusher. In my opinion, his uh get off is a lot more explosive and faster than his brother. And so he could definitely be somebody that could be screaming off the edge, uh forcing defenses or sorry, forcing offenses to get the ball out quickly and then when you're having that type of pressure, you know, and then you have the type of secondary that this Grandview team has, 
you know that's the perfect storm if you're a defensive player chaos is always better on defense and so you got plenty of dudes who have no problem causing a lot of noise on defense this could be a grandview team that scores a lot on defense actually so there you go uh, offensively, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I like the running back, uh, Musa Al-Safar, a lot. He is a very interesting back. He has a very interesting style. Like, the way he runs, you could see he's definitely dissecting defenses, setting up blocks. He's very skilled in that manner when it comes down to, you know, just dissecting a defense right in front of him. But when he does find a crease, he's out of there. You know, looking at his film from last year... Um, you see the vision it's there like he'll pick apart defenses for 10 and 15 yard gains and then when he finds that crease he just explodes for 50 to 60 yards and he's out of there he could be uh one of the best backs in the state potentially and so he's a big part of this offense uh charlie dick you gotta talk about him he caught a huge 68 yard pass versus pomona uh on a crossing route i want to say and he just burnt that corner and that entire defense badly uh, on his huddle he wrote down that he or he listed down that he runs a four five forty i don't know if that's a four five but <coughs> he probably runs at least a four six you know maybe four seven uh but that's not bad though that's not that's still pretty fast you know that's still pretty fast and so you have him as a, one of your weapons a wide receiver that's not a bad thing i think the guy that um we are both looking at as kind of the game changer here for grandview because we know they had you know great defensive players they had al safar from last year along with charlie dick from last year um but their quarterback liam uh, zarka is that what we're going with liam zarka yes it's zarka with a k Yes. I don't know what other... Yeah, yeah. Liam Zarka. Um, I think he's the game changer here. You know, he had an excellent game against... I can't talk. Okay. <laughs> he had an excellent game against Pomona. Um, they were down, you know, at one point. And then he led a m multiple, multiple scoring drives, including the one where he wanted himself on a quarterback sneak, which didn't exactly go as planned to start with. But... He eventually got in there after that second push and so he isn't he's a very interesting quarterback i think if he could keep up that level of play or at least resemble that level of play throughout this season grandview will be in a very good spot you know having a great defense and then having a quarterback that can be a game changer and be more than just a game manager right cody oh absolutely Absolutely. He has a chance to be one of the best QBs in the state. He can get it done both on the ground and through the air. And, you know, I think that he had plenty of time to learn from mistakes. You know, their their guy last year, Jacob Burr, he had a pretty rough year last year, not going to lie. Throwing more interceptions than touchdowns. So, you know, he kind of, uh, he has an idea of what the competition is like watching last year and learning last year. And, you know, he, he's an athletic dude who I think is going to be able to hang in with the best of them. I think that this Pomona get what a statement win to win this opening game against Pomona. And, you know, it, it gets easier and then it gets a lot harder down the stretch for this team. If you want to start talking schedule. Yeah, let's do it. So um, let me just list off all their opponents. So uh, this Friday uh, they play Mountain Vista. So there you go. Then they play Overland next week. Uh, then they play Ralston Valley. Then they go play Horizon. Uh, Smoky Hill on September 30th. Then their Cherry Creek game is October 8th. Uh, 
After that, they play Eagle Crest, Cherokee Trail, and then end the season against Arapaho. Thursday night game, I, I don't like that. Um, October 28th. At home. I, at home. I don't like that. That should be a Friday night game, but uh, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So how, how do you feel about this schedule? Uh, this is not an easy schedule. I'm looking. I mean, we have a rap here, obviously. We already talked about them. Cherry Creek, if you don't think we're about to talk about them, welcome to Colorado. So there you go, because uh, we will. Uh, you have Cherokee Trail. We've already talked about them. Uh, yeah, so I yeah, don't no. know. It's, it's the Centennial League, baby. Um, it is. Look. It, that's that's just how it is. You're automatically gonna have like one of the roughest schedules in like all four of these all four of these last games. Probably playoff teams. Even though Eagle Crest, I didn't see him as a contender. I don't really see them missing the playoffs. Probably, you know, just just because of the athletes that they usually have over there. Usually, probably a lower seed, but still a playoff team nonetheless. And a team with two three star linemen. So obviously, that's a great test for you know this this D line. And uh, Wakalanji to see if he's got he got what it takes to beat some of these three star recruits and live up to the name that his brother started there. And I mean, it's kind of nice. You have Vista. Obviously, don't get too cocky. Take care of business there. Beat this Vista team like you're supposed to. Overland, you could probably be overconfident and still overcome them. Um, it is Overland, but anyways, then Ralston Valley, you should not lose this game. If you lose this game, there's some serious doubts about how serious of a contender you are. Just because, I mean, play play a complex game of football and, and you should come out of here with a dub. And you, I think that you just have more athletic talent than Ralston anyway. Horizon, that's a game you should be able to do kind of a walkthrough. And then you get into league play. So once again, they're in a really similar situation as Arapahoe where if you're not... 6-0 and heading into this Cherry Creek game. Uh, I don't know about your, your chances of contending for, for a championship. But you should be 6-0 and heading into this Cherry Creek game. And you should be licking your chops ready to make a statement to upset this team. Because obviously, well, at this point in the season, and probably by that point in the season, Cherry Creek is going to be favored to win that game in Cherry Creek. Specifically at the Stutler Bowl. That's a game that yeah. Cherry Creek is going to be favored to win. So probably I, I mean, they're going to be make a statement here. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to make a statement and obviously, you know, Cherry Creek is favored, but out of all the teams we talked about, I mean, maybe Fairview could get them in a shootout, but I think Grandview kind of matches up well, you know, Cherry Creek, they have a lot of inexperience, which we'll talk about later. Um, but Grandview, they have a lot of experience. They have a lot of dudes who have been there before, you know, and they have talent as well. You know, at this isn't going to be at every position. Yeah. So this which isn't is going to be an, to do to be Creek. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Th this isn't going to be an easy game. Uh, they need to play a, as good a game as they possibly could, you know, but it's a winnable game regardless you know, more winnable than some other teams that'll play Cherry Creek, to be honest with you. So I think this is a matchup that I kind of like here for Grandview, at least of this year. Uh, but we'll we'll see. We'll see, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Eagle Crest and Cherokee Trail are tough, but you should win those games. And then Arapaho, this game, 
the playoff implications of this game are going to be so insane. This could be the difference between Grandview being a two seed or Arapahoe being a two seed. Or I guess, no, they would probably be like a four seed, probably being a four seed and maybe like a 10th seed. Like, I think that there's a really wide range for both of these teams and losing this game could slide them down quite a bit and give them a really rough opening matchup against a really good team. So this is going to be a very important game, one that we have circled on the schedule as of right now. So, Yeah, for sure. So. There you go. But this Grandview team, though, uh, definitely has grown on us after that first week. I don't know if we would have thrown them in here uh, this deep if it wasn't for that first uh, game, uh, to be completely honest with you. And maybe that's a complete overreaction, but I don't know. I, there's a lot to like about this Grandview team here. Absolutely. And they're a team who's who's been good for a really long time and you know, I think that this could be the year that they kind of break out and finally, you know, get that get that championship run that they've been in search for for way too long. I say it's overdue. It's overdue. Yes, absolutely. That does it for part one of our Colorado 5A preview. There's there's still more content to come out on Friday, so stay tuned for that. But all of these teams that we've talked about, you know, we're we're and we're excited for this season. It's going to be a really good one. And, you know, there's a lot of talent to look out for. We're just glad to get some of these teams on the map. And, you know, they're going to do it themselves, too. So just stay tuned and buckle in for a really long 5A for. A, yeah, a really long 5A season, but a very exciting one. And stay tuned for our part two on Friday, where we check in on last year's championship matchup and kind of do the rundown on those teams if you weren't there last year it was valor and creek i talked about it during the recap so if you're wondering where they are they'll be on part two as kind of our recap section kind of almost like how we did in the 4a one talking about palmer ridge and loveland so stay tuned for that episode but until friday i've been your host cody stoffer i'm coach v hey 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 also games of the week this week we might as well announce them uh sterling eden tomorrow thursday september 2nd and then Vista Ridge, Dakota Ridge, the Battle of the Ridge on Friday. That's where we'll be at. Uh, if you, uh, I don't know, if, if you're listening to this and wonder what the games of this week are. But there you go. But yeah, Absolutely. I've been Coach and, B. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok to tune into. On Twitter, we will have live updates and score updates for these Game of the Weeks. We'll have our game posters on both Twitter and Instagram, I believe. And yeah, definitely a lot to be excited about. So just stay tuned on our social media if you get lost or confused. <laughs> Peace. Peace.